back to Libraryland Loves. I am Michelle Arbuckle, and I'm really, really happy to be back after taking a non-scheduled hiatus due to, if I'm honest, extreme burnout. But I am back now and happy to be bringing you this conversation and really happy to have the chance to chat with the amazing people of Libraryland. Today's conversation is not necessarily something that Libraryland loves, but it is a topic that's close to my heart and a conversation that I think we need to be paying more attention to, which is neurodivergency among us, among the people of Libraryland, neurodivergency among the people who come to libraries and the people who work there. I was very curious when I saw this topic being presented at the Libraries, Archives, and Museums Nova Scotia conference, and so I reached out to the presenter, Aries Castile, from the Dartmouth Heritage Museum, to invite her to come and chat with me today about her presentation, The Good, the Bad, and the Distracted, ADHD and the Workplace. ADHD is a condition that affects 1.5 million Canadians, but it's still often confused or dismissed as something that only affects children. Aries spoke in her presentation about her own personal experiences with ADHD and made suggestions on how workplaces could make spaces and work life more inclusive to those with ADHD. I'm thrilled that Aries is here today, and I hope that you take something away from this chat. A little program note here, I was super stressed about the editing of this podcast because it was recorded while I was dog-sitting for my mother-in-law, and of course, the dog chose this exact time to tap dance her way across my office. So you may hear some little clicks and growls throughout. I apologize, but here we are, friends. This is life. So we'll be right back with Aries Castile. Welcome, Aries. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm so happy that you're here. I mentioned yeah. uh, off the top that I had seen note of your presentation at the Lambs Conference from Nova Scotia, and I just think it's so great. It had been the it's the first time that I can think of that I've seen someone in Libraryland talking about ADHD and you know what it means to people, adults, and in the workplace. And you know, I'm curious. Do you find as I do? that ADHD is in the air more these days that we're like, people are just talking about it more. Um, yeah, I think it is. I think there's, um, whether it's, you know, because COVID put us online so much more in the last couple of years, um, not entirely sure where the sort of origin of it is, but yeah, it definitely seems to be out there more. There's a lot more people talking about it and yeah, just a lot more people, I mean, with talking about it, a lot more people are going like, oh, that's, that could be me. Like, that's, that's not something everyone does. Like, that, <laughs> like I'm not the only one struggling in this particular way. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's out there. I think it's also sort of a know, awareness around, I guess, neurodivergency in general. So um, autism spectrum disorder, things like that, too, I think are all becoming a little more um, in the public consciousness, I suppose. Um, which I think is really nice because it's, I mean, they're very much neurodivergence in any form has very much sort of been a, you know, oh, we don't really talk about that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's much nicer to have it open and to see other people who are like me. <laughs> Absolutely. 
I think, you know, you're, and you're right. COVID, I think, does have something to do with this. And it might be because we're interrogating our, <laughs> you know, our systems and the way we do things more regularly now. And we've yeah. kind of, we've kind of looked more at how we function and how we work and how we can do it better. And I think yeah. maybe those conversations go hand in hand a bit. Yeah. And there's definitely, I mean, certainly I remember as COVID was getting off and, you know, everyone was learning to work from home and things like that. A lot of the disabled community in general, um, but especially people with more physical disabilities, you know, saying like, okay, but why couldn't you do this for me before there was a pandemic? Like, (laughs) exactly. And, you know, I found that social media for sure has given uh, more of a spotlight or just a, a forum for people to chat about what's going on. I find this, you know, in the, in the few group texts that I'm in this perimenopause and ADHD are the things that (laughs) my women friends are talking about. And, you know, and I, I think it's so interesting, like TikTok, um, we were chatting before we started recording, you know, ADHD TikTok is such an interesting place. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love it. I mean, it's very empowering in a way sort of to like take back, like, you know, what our experiences are and how they affect us and be able to relate that to each other. The experiences part is so huge. I mean, you know, aside from the giving up advice, which you're right, you know, social media, you've always got to take with a grain of salt and and know what people's uh, backgrounds are. But just to see people who are going through similar experiences and seeing that representation in the media is huge because you're right. Just having that confirmation or affirmation, wow, someone else is going through the same thing as me and I never knew to give it a name before is such a such a huge, a huge affirming part of the culture you know oh it is and I um I was diagnosed I think it was about 24 25 when I was diagnosed with ADHD and even at that age it was just like oh wait what (laughs) and it's sort of like looking back over my whole life and all my childhood and and you know I mean hindsight is 2020 of course as we know so yeah it's looking back and being like oh yeah that's really obvious (laughs) and certainly with ADHD it's um still very frequently underdiagnosed um, in girls or in um, those assigned female at birth. So yeah, it's, it's definitely affirming to realize like, oh, I'm not crazy. (laughs) Um, Actually, I think one of the first sort of books on ADHD I read was, um, was, it's called, you mean I'm not lazy, crazy or stupid? (laughs) Like, that's just straight in the title, which I mean, tells you all you need to know about how people experience this when they're undiagnosed. So, yeah. Well, let's get into your top five points because I think they're all so interesting and uh, I hope it will enlighten some people and some people will have those moments of, hey, yeah, I do have that. Wait a minute. (laughs) Some light bulb moments out there. This is is our Oprah podcast this week. So, all right. So our our top five list is um, five things that people don't know about adults with ADHD. So what's your number one? Uh, So number one uh, is just that we exist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, ADHD is still, I think, very much seen as, you know, so definitely a childhood thing. um, And either, I mean, with a childhood thing, it's like, oh, it's, it's bad parenting, or it's just kids that are a little rambunctious. But there's certainly this belief that you'll, you'll kind of grow out of it, right? Um, And I mean, I think part of that is a lot of adults have not talked about having ADHD in the past, or you know, have assumed that, oh, it kind of went away, I guess I doesn't matter anymore. And it does, 
Like some people do seem to grow out of their symptoms, um, but it's still, I mean, a fairly uh, small percentage. And like clearly a lot of us do still have ADHD when we grow up. Um, so yeah, we exist. It doesn't just go away once you, I don't know, hit 12 or 15 <laughs> or some arbitrary age. It's true. I mean, for years, you only heard about it as a childhood disorder. And yeah. and for me, I feel like the majority of women that I know that are now, you know, questioning uh, their own possible diagnosis are doing so because their kids have been diagnosed. And they're yeah. suddenly introduced to the symptoms to look for in their kids and saying, wait, is this something that I have either passed on or that I've been experiencing and didn't even know? And that, that I think is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And there is, there is a strong genetic component. So yeah, even after I was diagnosed, I was talking to my mom and she's like, wait, hold on. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, okay. No, that makes more sense. So yeah, I, I can definitely see how, you know, yeah, you start looking at it in your child and they're like, well, I did that when I was that age or. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that I think is so interesting that I was reading about, there was actually an article last month in the Harvard Business Review about um, what we don't talk about enough when it comes to ADHD. And I'll, I'll put the link to that in the show notes. But the thing that's so interesting to me about people who have maybe ex been experiencing ADHD since they were a child and are now an adult in a workplace is recognizing, especially for those who are listening who maybe don't have ADHD or mm -hmm. don't know for sure if people that they work with have it, mm -hmm. I think a thing to be aware of is the trauma that carries over from a child who has been living with ADHD and going through the school system and what they bring with them into their professional work life. Because, you yeah. know, one of the things that I've experienced with my own child in public school is that teachers often aren't quite sure what to do with a child with ADHD. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of feedback about something being wrong with them, about them constantly being corrected, like you were saying yeah. about the lazy crazy. Um, and, you know, them feeling like and carrying with them in their adult lives, this feeling of being less than and of not having what they need to be successful. And it's such a huge um, part of imposter syndrome and yep. can have really devastating effects on people. And I think, you know, it's, it's a real issue to deal with as an adult. Yeah, it really is. Um, there is sort of this idea that um, I think it was sort of a specific number, like ADHD kids get corrected like 20,000 times by the time they're such and such an age or something, um, which sounds horrible, but it's like, well, yeah, other kids are getting corrected too, but it's a lot more for ADHD. And I mean, even looking back, it really does make sense. And it definitely caused a lot of sort of internalized, I mean, issues and guilt with me. It's like, you know, oh, well, everyone else has such an easy time doing this task or whatever it is. You know, why can't I do that? Like, why is it so hard for me when it seems to be easy for everyone else? Um, and yeah, that definitely causes some issues. Um, and yeah, it can lead to issues later in life. I mean, I think it's 80% of adults with ADHD have a at least one <laughs> comorbid psychiatric disorder. Um, so things like depression and anxiety are really big. Um, yeah, and I think it's, I think it's 44% of children have it, but then 80% of adults have a comorbid disorder, which is, I mean, that's intense. that's intense. And I mean, that alone, yeah. I think, tells you how hard it can be. 
One of the things though that I think is I'm really looking forward to with this list is the reframing of those, uh, you know, what might have been ca- categorized as deficiencies mm-hmm. as, um, what do we call them? Perks, advantages, um, successful outcomes. Um, because, you know, I, I've been working with an executive coach for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was reading about with adults with ADHD is that ability to reframe um, that feeling of less into mm-hmm. a feeling of value and determining what your skills are and what you value about yourself and what you can bring to the world, to your work, to your life. And maybe using a coach or just using a, an online tool or something to help you mm-hmm. do that, I think can be incredibly impactful for people. And, you know, the first time I did it with a coach, I, I left the session weeping, kind of <laughs> just not realizing it took someone else to say, no, these are good things about you. Like, don't forget yeah. that. And, you know, the ability to have a list that you can look back on and say, oh, yeah, you know, that might not be a thing on a job description or that I can put on a CV, but that is a thing yeah. that is a value and that I bring to the table. And I think so anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that with, the, with your with your list today. Yeah. Yeah, we will. All right. So let's go to number two. Yeah. So number two um, was um, that uh, adults with ADHD struggle with sort of an object and emotional permanence. I guess a more simple way that most people would understand is out of sight, out of mind. Um, and that is that is incredibly literal <laughs> um, for most people with ADHD, I've found. Because, um, yeah, if we don't see it, we're probably not thinking about it or if we're not looking at it that second um, it doesn't feel as important um, which is just how our brains process things Um, like our brains are very much wired to deal with what's immediate what's here what's right now um, sort of like very present um, and that tends to affect relationships a lot because there is uh, as I said I called it um, emotional permanence um, um, which is just a term actually I heard on ADHD TikTok. <laughs> um, but I think it describes it well in that, um, you know, if the people we care about, you know, if we're not seeing them all the time, we're really busy, maybe they live somewhere else. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to word it in a way that isn't like, oh, we forget they exist. <laughs> because it's not exactly that, right? I mean, it's just that it's not right here right now. So it's not something my brain needs to think about right now. The title, I mean, attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Um, I think it's not like a deficit in attention. It's an inability to regulate attention. Um, Yeah. So it's not like I decided responding to my friend wasn't important or anything like that. It's that my brain decided that wasn't a priority. And so it, didn't hold on to that thought. <laughs> right. So does that mean that someone with ADHD needs to be that much more intentional when it comes to building relationships and maintaining relationships? Like, is there yeah. more, there's yeah, there's more management of, required? Yeah, there's generally a lot more management. Um, and it's, it's definitely helpful when the other person sort of understands that you work a little bit like that. Um, because um, very much like, uh, most people have had friends where you know even if you don't see each other for a long time you come back together it's like there was never any time apart um that's that's all the time for me (laughs) right um it's always like no time has passed because my brain you know wasn't thinking about it (laughs) right (laughs) 
like it I feel like talking about it almost makes it sound like oh yeah people with ADHD will just forget that they care about you and it's it's really not that it's just that I mean if anything I see it as um I mean I would say it's like you know if if you're you know you if my friend is good our relationship is on good terms then I don't need to worry about it right now right whereas like there's a bunch of other things that are screaming for my attention yeah so how would something like that how does something like that translate in terms of you know to the workplace does that Mm -hmm. mean that um you know when we're talking about permanence um that it would be perhaps more challenging for someone with adhd um or or someone with adhd might need more assistance or accommodations with long-term planning yeah, that's definitely um, a thing because, again, it's very right now. So, yeah, long-term planning um, is a good help. Other things um, in the workplace I've found that help is um, it's much easier to have things in writing <laughs> um, ah. because, you know, someone comes in, they say, oh, you know, we need to get this, like, remember to do this. Okay, great. They leave the room. It's gone. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what we talked about. <laughs> um, yeah. Usually, I mean, sometimes you will, but you know, it's it's much easier to assume that unless you write it for me, I'm not going to remember it. Um, and even then, sometimes you never know. But <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, yeah, you have to kind of make it permanent and in our sort of field of awareness. So yeah, leaving a note, um, sending an email is good. Um, I personally find like physical much easier to manage. Um, but for other people with ADHD, they prefer the digital. Um, but yeah, so there's there's definitely issues, yeah, in terms of forgetting stuff or forgetting that you had a conversation with someone. Um, I find it especially hard. Um, I worked for a very, very short time as a teenager, as a waitress, um, and it was, oh, it was excruciating because it's like, you know, yes. 50 tables we have to remember. And, and Do you yeah. still have the nightmares? <laughs> yeah, I, used I have to. the nightmares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've forgotten someone's bacon. Table twelve needs their check. I have those yeah. dreams all the time. Yes. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to number three. Yeah. Uh, so number three um, is about adults, but it can also be for um, kids too. Is that ADHD medications are either misused or that they're very addictive. Um, and especially with adults, there's definitely a sense of, you know, sort of college students um, getting their ADHD meds even when they don't have it because it helps them perform better or, you know, helps them stay up all night cramming for the test. And it's, But yeah, it's seen as a good reason to restrict the medication heavily just to get my medication in general um, from a pharmacy. Like you need like triplicate prescription forms filled out by the doctor and then you have to sign when you pick it up and it's a whole it's it's not easy to get these meds um, by any means Um, but there's an article that they found that um, if you don't have ADHD and you're taking um, ADHD medications specifically the stimulant ones which are the ones people are worried about being misused um, it it really doesn't actually improve their mental ability so they had Um, you know, students come in and sort of perform tasks without the medication, with the medication, and there was virtually no difference. Um, So yeah, it's sort of like the the boost that, I guess, whoever these 
college kids are think that they're getting is sort of more of a placebo effect. Right. Well, I mean, it's essentially, it is essentially a stimulant, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's acting... a stimulant, but I mean, it's, it's a stimulant the way coffee is a stimulant. Exactly. Caffeine. Yes. And... I remember in high school, the Red Bull was a huge, uh, yeah. every student has to go through uh, some experimentation with how to stay awake longer, thinking that's <laughs> going to help and it won't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, so. What can you tell us about um, the types of things that people are using or accommodations that they might be, um, you know, trying if they're if they're avoiding or not using medication, or if the medication doesn't work for their ADHD. Big one I would say is um, that's also become a little more accessible is ADHD coaching, um, especially if you can find a coach who has ADHD <laughs> or is very familiar with the condition. Um, that can help. Um, sort of a concept I guess I've, I've heard a lot of and that I've learned works well which is just body doubling um, just being in the same room as someone else um, you don't have to be talking or you know anything like just working in the same space um, tends to help I think ADHD brains it's sort of a an external accountability I would say um, which is big in ADHD is that you know, it's it's really hard for us to sort of motivate and talk ourselves into doing things. But if there's an external source, you know, like a, a timer going down or or, yeah, another person just in the room working, it's like, oh, OK, it kind of helps tell my brain externally, like, OK, this is this is the thing we're doing right now. This is the uh, mode that we're in uh, work mode or whatever it may be. The thing that's been successful for me, the Pomodoro technique, yeah. which, look it up if you don't know, just, you know, setting uh, timers for short amounts of times to kind mm -hmm. of get things done in bursts and really focus. Um, noise has always been a thing for me. So when I can hear other conversations and, you know, these AirPods are saving my life these days, <laughs> just being yeah. able to kind of just either put them in. I did this yesterday with the dog when she was making too much noise. I wasn't even listening to anything, just blocking out the noise. Yeah. The other thing that I find really helpful, um, even though I've I've heard it and avoided it for years, it was kind of like mental flossing, is uh, meditation <laughs> and breath work. I yeah. mean, it's one of those things, like it's an eat your vegetables kind of thing that yeah. um, you just have to do. But I find it to be, when I do it regularly, I find it to be so, so noticeably helpful to the way my brain can focus and slow down and, uh, and just, you know, just like I just, I just took a <laughs> breath because that's how it feels. Yeah. It feels like you can just get rid of that blockage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it is, uh, yeah, I have always struggled with concept of like mindfulness and meditation and everything um, because yeah, it's really hard for us to well, I mean, regulate attention. I mean, that's certainly the biggest ADHD issue. So yeah, if there's another conversation going on, or if there's, um, you know, the the lights are buzzing, which apparently is not something everyone notices. And I'm like, what are you talking about? The lights are always buzzing, <laughs> like electricity is the noise. <laughs> so yeah, those, it's definitely hard. Um, one thing I've found that helps um, with meditation stuff is, I mean, number one, do short ones. Um, because boredom is pretty excruciating for ADHD brains. Um, and also, um, I do, I tend to prefer guided ones. 
Um, so whether those are on YouTube, you can find a bunch of free ones, or I mean, probably even Spotify and stuff now, Apple, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, just guided ones, because then, you know, you're listening to a voice, the voice is sort of telling you what you're supposed to be doing. And it's, I find that it makes it much easier to pin my focus on something specifically, rather than just try to let everything go. <laughs> As it is. I couldn't agree more. I, I, I'm endlessly frustrated by the suggestion of just sitting in quiet for 10 minutes. Yeah. I'm like, how are you people doing this? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The ability to listen to someone and just focus on them instead of my own thoughts. Is, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge one. Um, all right. Great. So I think that takes us nicely into your number four. Yeah. Uh, number four. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this one we kind of started talking about earlier, but um, so number four is just that ADHD is a disability. Um, there's, um, I wouldn't, there's been a lot of, I think, articles and sort of movement toward viewing ADHD as, you know, a superpower or something that, you know, can actually be really great. Um, and I think it's all very well intentioned, probably for the most part. Um, you know, it's, it's, and I think part of it does come out of this idea of adults who have been diagnosed and sort of are trying to reframe all this trauma or issues or, you know, being corrected so often as a child, you know, you want to be able to see the good in it because clearly there's been so much awful because of it. Um, and that, that does make sense. You know, it is certainly something we should be able to reframe in our own minds, hopefully, but it also, at the same time, it seems to sort of morph to other people into this idea like, oh, well, if it's a superpower, then it's not a disability. It's not that bad. You know, you don't need accommodations. You don't need extra help. You're just, you know, and then it kind of goes back to ADHD doesn't exist or, you know, whatever it is. Um, Everyone has it. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing I think is ADHD symptoms individually and their occurrences, I think, are very relatable because everyone goes through them. Um, it's sort of like, oh, well, that's happened to me once in a while, so it can't be that bad. Right. But it can. <laughs> yeah. You just got to um, pull your socks up and get it done kind of attitude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, like with anything, um, it's about uh, duration and frequency and how often it happens. And so it's like, oh, yeah, you can say, oh, I remember forgetting to answer someone's message um you know a couple times but it's 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 every day for ADHD and it and it does I mean it definitely is pushed into you as like a personal fault if you don't have the diagnosis right and if you don't know anything about it it's oh it's my fault that this keeps happening um when really it's just it's just how your brain works so it's I mean it's interesting you know ADHD is considered uh, classified as a disability mm -hmm. and, um, you know, albeit an invisible disability. So I'm curious yeah. on your thoughts about disclosing this even in the workplace. It's not required to disclose an invisible mm -hmm. disability. And I think in some in many cases, I've heard people saying there are many reasons not to. Um, what are your thoughts on disclosure? It's how comfortable you feel. Um, I've felt comfortable enough to be open about it in my job here and I mean obviously even if I wasn't I did a big talk so, <laughs> so they'd know now um, so yeah it's about the level of 
comfort that you have with your workplace, with your coworkers, um, with yourself, because sometimes there is a lot of shame and sometimes it is fear, you know, that, oh, people are going to think that I'm just flaky, I'm lazy, I'm making it up, I'm, you know, this, that, or the other thing. And those are certainly concerns and things that clearly are um, affecting us. If you can find the right place, you know, the right coworkers, the right space, um, then I think it's fine to disclose like anything else. But yeah, it's very much a a personal thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting, you know, I, I feel like this is another one of those areas where COVID is maybe helpful for this process of accommodation because, you know, like, like we yeah. were saying earlier, we've seen so many accommodations that are helpful for ADHD, mm -hmm. people experiencing ADHD have been done during COVID. And yeah. so it seems like even without disclosing a diagnosis, it's much easier now to say, I know I work better now with X, Y, Z, or yeah. where, when I'm, when I'm in this place or when I'm not in yeah. this place. And I think it's so much easier now to have that conversation and say, look, I know I need to work from home to get this done. Can I yeah. take this day? Or, you know, I need to be in a room with a closed door to do this yeah, or, yeah. or whatever. So yeah, I, I think you're right. It's, it's such a personal decision, but um, you can likely get the same, achieve the same goals without even necessarily having to open up about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's and it's definitely something that um, you can look into. Um, I mentioned the Canadian um, Age ADD Awareness of Canada Society. I mean, that whole website, there's a ton of stuff on it. Yeah, that's great. All right. Um, okay, so that takes us to our number five. Yeah, so number five is about executive function. So I said earlier that, you know, our brains are really good um, at, you know, sort of the here and now and what's right in front of us. Um, and that is part of it. So executive functioning would be like they, they'll give you, you know, if you look it up, it, it gives you sort of a list of like, oh, staying on tasks, switching tasks, this and that. And a lot of it sounds like, well, yeah, that's just what you do. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's actually very hard for people with ADHD because our brains don't do that. Um, so like switching tasks, um, you know, I'm, I'm reading something on my computer, my coworker comes in, oh, we have to, you know, set up for this or something. Um, I mean, as I understand it, for most non-ADHD brains or non-neurodivergent brains in general, um, they just kind of do that. Like you just stop thinking about the one thing and move on to the other. And I'm like, that's, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, so with ADHD, it's, I don't control what my brain is focusing on a lot of the time is how I feel like mm -hmm. about it. Um, on the other side of that, and with um, executive function is, is hyper focus. Um, and again, I think most people even without ADHD have some idea of familiarity with the idea of um, you know, reading a really good book or watching a really great show and it's, it's sort of like everything around you disappears, you know, and then you look up and it's like three hours have passed and it's like, whoa, where am I? <laughs> oh, wow, that was really absorbing. Um, that can happen a lot more often with ADHD brains, which is great for certain situations. Like I love research and I can, you know, uh, give me 
how you say like give me an hour and I can figure out almost anything <laughs> just from searching and, and knowing where to go and of course I have a history degree so I'm kind of trained in research um, but yeah just we can really focus on that stuff um, and sometimes it is things that other people might find very boring <laughs> sometimes it's like paperwork or organizing um, but it's also not necessarily something you can just turn on right so I can't say oh this textbook is really boring I'm just hyper focused um, no, it doesn't work like that. Um, it is very interest-based. Yeah, it's out of our control what we're focusing on or what we're doing. Um, to which I would only add that, um, yeah, these things are things that ADHD medication can help with. Um, if you're luckily one of the people it works for, um, it's amazing sort of and I think a lot of people have this experience especially if you're were diagnosed as an adult or only started medication as an adult is sort of having a day where you're on your medication and you're just like oh this is what it's supposed to be like um, and that's certainly what it was for me is it's like oh that wait I'm just supposed to be able to do this <laughs> like um and it's amazing the little things that are easier so things like my coworker coming to me when I'm working on something on my computer with something it's suddenly much easier for me to be like okay pause on that turn to this do this then we come back to that um and I mean it's not perfect I don't it doesn't sort of cure everything but it definitely for me makes my symptoms much easier to manage for sure yeah, it's so interesting, you know, I'm just thinking about as, as someone who might be a manager of people with ADHD, or if you are a manager, I mean, you're frequently pulled into meetings, maybe I'm speaking and giving myself away, but pulled into <laughs> meetings, like, for example, a budget meeting where I could not care less. I mean, I'm so intensely bored by the agenda that I want to do anything but what we yeah. would need to talk about, you know? And so it's, it's curious, it's interesting um, to think about beyond medication, how to mm -hmm. self-motivate in those situations and how to um, pique your interest so that you can, because, you know, often you don't have a choice. You have to engage, you have to do yeah. the work and get things done. And uh, so I think that key of figuring out what you're, what your positive triggers are, what you can use to yeah. increase your motivation and get you going is, is really key. Yeah. And for, I mean, yeah, for, for boring meetings and stuff, it can be, maybe you have a special notebook you only use for the really boring meetings. If that's oh, you know, like something that. that interests you or, you know, taking notes in funky colored pens, if, if that's something that interests you like, you know, you just kind of have to figure out what works. Um, the other thing I would say about ADHD is sort of future rewards don't really work for our brains. So like, you know, oh, I'll do this and then I'll have a donut or whatever, you know, I'll go do something fun. That doesn't really motivate our brains very well. Um, so honestly, maybe you have to have the donut before you walk into the meeting right. <laughs> or maybe, you know, if it's the you kind of meeting. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe where they have you know, the kind of meeting where they have some snacks, you know, you can sort of munch on something while you're going. Um, because our brains, ADHD brains tend to lack dopamine, a lot of dopamine, um, which is what causes a lot of our symptoms. Um, so our brains are constantly searching for that. And that's kind of what the, um, 
what stimulant medication helps with because our brains, you know, though it presents, I guess, sort of as hyperactivity, it's, it's really this desperate search for stimulation because our brains are just like not clicking where they need to. Um, and sometimes that stimulation is a, a donut, a cup of coffee. Uh, so yeah, you kind of find the, the least damaging way <laughs> to make it work for you, I think. Um, I love but it. Yeah, that's where, so, the, that's yeah, where the glitter gel pens come in for me. I'm just going to say, yeah. you know, a good, yeah, a good gel pen is going to get me through that budget meeting. And I mean, sometimes it's always going to suck. And that's okay, too. Um, you do what you can. Maybe that means um, maybe you can ask a coworker who takes really good notes at the budget meetings, you know, hey, can you forward those to me just so I can make sure I, I picked up on everything. A movement is a big one, um, which is also probably a fairly easy accommodation, I would think, to ask for. Um, because our brains are searching for the stimulation and stuff, um, we can learn better sometimes if you're moving, if you're, um, yeah, just moving around, however that works for you. Um, I tend to shift a lot. I'm always crossing and uncrossing my legs and shifting how I'm sitting in chairs. Um, yeah, and just understanding, like, I'm not doing this because I'm bored or because I'm not engaged. This is helping me to stay engaged yeah. with what's happening. More rocking chairs in the boardroom. I'm starting the movement Absolutely. <laughs> I will sign that petition. <laughs> oh, that would be lovely. Well, wouldn't it? I know. <laughs> this has been a really great list, Aries. Thank you so much for bringing this subject to Library Land Love's table. I think it's, I, I'm fascinated by it. I hope people yeah. out there are, are, are interested and maybe have given a bit more thought to how their own brains work. Even if you don't have ADHD, I think, you know, there's always a good time to um, give more thought and consideration to what makes you a better person, whether that's in work or life or, you know, family and, and how your brain works. Yeah. And how, you know, you can use your knowledge of how your brain works and how other people's brains might work to, I mean, just help in general when you're dealing with different kinds of people. Um, Absolutely. Everyone's yeah. different. And this is just another set of differences. You know, we talked about people disclosing and how it's such a personal um, choice mm -hmm. depending on your own situation. But I am so grateful for people like yourself and others who are, you know, quite successfully living their lives and in their profession and also uh, coming out and talking about their ADHD. I think the representation matters and yeah. I'm always curious to hear um you know, if, if medication is working for people or accommodations or what their trick is for being uh, yeah. successful in this life. So thank you so much for being open and honest about that and uh, for encouraging the conversation. I think it's great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being interested in the topic. I mean, yeah, it's really good to be yeah. able to talk about it. It's great. I think it also helps with that childhood trauma we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> We do what we can to get yeah. through it, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Aries. Thank you. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you again so much to Aries Castile. I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope that you did as well. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Library Land Loves. Take care, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week. all day. <laughs>